And I would just like to start off, of course, by saying Happy Mother's Day. Um, I, I was talking to my dad earlier this week, and I said, you know, Mother's Day, it's, it's, anytime you come to the holidays, there's certain things that you just, that, you know, you're supposed to, as a pastor, that you're supposed to talk about. And my dad said, I remember making that big mistake years ago. He said, I, uh, when it came to Mother's Day, I thought, well, I want to do something different. He said, you know, we always tend to, uh, you, know, kind of, you, you know, obviously you, mothers are great, but, you know, we tend to build them up quite a bit. He said, so I thought I'd take a different uh, angle on it and talk about Eve. And he said, I preached on Mother Eve and her sin on Mother's Day. And he said, that didn't work out very well. He said, that was like 35 years ago. And he said, I learned my lesson. And, and so I've taken a cue from Dad. I've learned a few lessons, too. And so I'd just like to start off by just telling you a couple of interesting stories about mothers. A junior high science teacher was, was teaching uh, on magnets one week, and so he did a quiz the next day. And he said, uh, the very first question was, um, I, I began with the letter M. There's six, six letters in my name, and I picked things up. What am I? And he said over half of his students put mother, which I thought was, was kind of interesting. And another one I, I read about was a little girl was talking to her dad about marriage. She's four years old, wanted to know about the importance of marriage. And so they sat there and talked about it. And the dad got the wedding album out, and they started going through it. And he said, this is when me and your mom got married. Look how beautiful she is. And she said, okay, that's the day mom came to work for us. And uh, so, you know, Mother's Day is a, is a great day, and I'm awfully thankful for my wife because she came to work for me about 18 years ago. I'm just kidding. Uh, she's not here, so I can say that. But, uh, but it was, you know, Mother's Day is a great, a great time. But everybody has a mother in here. And uh, I don't know what kind of relationship that you had with your mom, but ladies, obviously today I'm going to mainly be speaking to you. And guys, there's a few things that we can pick up, you know, hopefully from this uh, passage of Scripture we're going to look at in just a few moments as well. But my hope today is that we're just going to see some basic, you know, I guess like a, like a doctor giving a prescription to, uh, to us, to a mother, about what it takes in order to be the kind of mother that God wants you to be a prescription, so to speak, for being a good mother. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Second John, and we're going to look in the first six verses of that book. Uh, so Second John, verse number 1, it's a very short book, and we came to say chapter 1. So for those of you who are here and you're a little bit nervous about time, it's a short book, so we're going to be good. Uh, so if you want to, you can take your Bible, and you can go all the way to the right, and then turn just a little bit to your left, and you'll run into Second John. Uh, just to be helpful, it's right after 1 John. And so you ought to be able to find it that way. Uh, but, you know, as you look into the Scripture, one thing you discover is there's, over time there's always been people who tried to twist and pervert what, what the Bible says. Just some real basic stuff about the Bible. And that's true concerning relationships, concerning men and women. Uh, just a couple of examples. Uh, even in the religious scholarly world, there's a group of, of scholars known as the Jesus Seminar... And over years they say, well, you can look into the Bible and they say this part of the Bible is true and this part of the Bible is not true. Now, I don't really know how they can kind of figure that out on their own, but that's what they do. So people have always kind of perverted Scripture. Uh, then there's always been other people who've looked at the Bible and, and said, well, you know, we can, we can try to come up with our own interpretation. I remember a few years ago a very popular book came out and a movie, The Da Vinci Code, you might remember that. And it was just totally against just some of the basic doctrines of Scripture. One thing they said in that movie and in the book was that Jesus was married, Jesus had children. And uh, so there's always been people who've tried to pervert Scripture throughout time. 
Now, this was true in Jesus' day and even in the days before. As a matter of fact, we get a picture of what these people were like. In 2 Timothy 3, 6 and 7, it speaks of these people. It says, they are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who were loaded down with sin and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to acknowledge the truth. Now, in the text we're looking at today in 2 John, John is writing apparently to a lady and he's encouraging her to stay true to God's Word. So stay true to God's Word and as you do this, then it's going to lead you to being the kind of woman, the kind of mother that God desires you to be. And I really believe in this passage of Scripture, we can kind of take it and we can look at a few prescriptions about what it takes to be a good mother. So what, what is the first prescription for being a good mother? And I think the very first thing I see in our text today is, is know the truth. If you're going to be a good mother, and for that matter, if you're going to be a good dad, and you're going to be a, a, a great follower of God, it takes you, first of all, knowing the truth. If you look back in verse number 1 in our text, it says, The elder to the chosen lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Now, it speaks about truth quite a bit in those first two verses. And I, I believe that every mother, every parent desires for their children to be knowledgeable. We want them to know the truth. We want them to know the ways of the world. And I think part of the reason why is if they know truth, then they're going to be less susceptible to falling, you know, falling prey to false teachings, to things that aren't true, to things that can bring them down and, and break them down. Now, mothers and, and fathers, it's important for you to know the truth and to lead in the truth because you have, if, if you're a parent, you have kids who are paying attention to you. And if your children know the truth, then they're going to be able to protect themselves from lies. Now, who is the father of lies, according to the Bible? It's, it's the devil. As a matter of fact, the devil's doing whatever he can in order to, to capture us, in order to keep us away from God. We're told in 1 Peter 5.8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour now, a good, a good mother is going to be like the mother in the text. She was a lady who was filling her mind with the truth so that she could guide her children down a path that would keep them away from falsehood, that would keep them from falling prey to the things of this world. Now, in the world we live in today, there's, it's very difficult for many of us to define exactly what truth is. A majority of Americans say there's no such thing as absolute truth. You know, it all just depends on on my situation, on my, on my circumstances. And so a question for a lot of people, and it seems strange to me, is what is truth? Now, you know, how do you define truth? And that's a question, again, that's been asked for a long time. When Jesus stood before Pilate, the guy that was going to sentence him to death, Pilate looked at Jesus and he, and he said, what is truth? Well, according to the dictionary, truth is a fact which has been verified. It's something that's been proven. Now, Jesus answered the question about truth, speaking of himself in John 14, 6. In that verse, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Now, do you desire to live correctly? Do you desire to live in such a way that you make good decisions in life? 
that your kids will make good decisions in life, then you need to seek truth. Now, who is truth? Well, truth is Jesus. That's why we take time to read God's Word to find out who Jesus is. Matter of fact, Jesus said, or John said in John 17, 17, your Word is truth. You want to seek after truth? Then you need to spend some time, mothers and fathers, in God's Word. Now, now why would we want to do that? Because the Bible gives us boundaries for living. It teaches us how to live. Now, when we talk about boundaries, I think there's a lot of us who are naturally inclined. When we see a boundary, what do we want to do? We naturally want to break through the boundary. You know, anytime there's rules and regulations, we think, well, they were made for people like me to break. But, you know, sometimes we we see boundaries as being a negative instead of being a positive. God has given us His Word. He's given us boundaries with with which to live within, not not to stifle us, but to protect us. You know, but to, to keep us safe, to, to help us to enjoy life. Now, now, what are some of the boundaries God's given us? Some very simple ones. He's tell, told us that we are not to have a, a physical relationship outside of marriage. He's given us the boundary of, of not be, being drunk. He's given us the boundary of being pure in our speech. And you can look at all those different boundaries, and after a while you think, man, it doesn't sound like it's any fun to be a Christian. You know, if I'm going to follow after God, it's like He takes the fun out of life and, and it's not joyful. But these boundaries have been set up in order to protect and enrich your life. And I think there are a lot of us who miss out on the blessings of God because we look for joy and freedom in all the wrong places. And we, just, we, we come up with ideas of what joy is that are perverted, that aren't true. We come up with these crazy ideas about how to live life. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this, is, this story is going to make sense or not. And so most of the time they don't when I talk to y'all, especially at the 9 o'clock service. Y'all like, so y'all have to, even if you don't get it, just like smile at least. Uh, I thought it was an interesting story. There's a, a scientist using the inductive method uh, whenever he was studying fleas. I, I don't know why he was studying fleas, but here's what he came up with. He wanted to observe some characteristics. So he would pull the leg off of a flea and he would yell at it and say, jump. And the flea would jump. And so he'd pull off another leg and he'd yell at it again. The flea would jump again. He kept doing this over and over again until he came to the last leg and he pulled the last leg off and he yelled at it, jump! And, and the flea it didn't jump, surprisingly, you know, with no legs. And so it just sits there. And so the scientist came up with this conclusion. He said, I have discovered that after you pull the legs off of a flea, he loses his ability to hear. Okay, I, I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, anyway, the idea here, and you might say, well, how does this tie in with anything? I don't know if it does. I thought it was kind of a, a great story. But the world, gives, the world gives crazy answers for life. And we say, well, if I live this way, it's going to bring joy into my life. And if I, if I do this or if I do that, then, then I'm going to have a sense of accomplishment in, in my life. And if it feels good, then I need to do it. But guys, you need to understand those things don't bring enjoyment into your life. Those things will not bring fulfillment in your life. They don't lead you closer to God. If you are looking, mothers, if you're looking to be the kind of mother God wants you to be, people in general, if you're looking to live a life that's going to be full of purpose and hope, you're going to find it in truth. Where do we find that? Where do we, where do we, find, we find it in Jesus? You see, if we're going to be, mothers, since this is about you today, if you're going to be the kind of mom God wants you to be, 
you must know the truth. You must know Jesus. But not only must you know the truth, another prescription of being a good mom, being a good person in general, firstly, you've got to know the truth. Secondly, you have to, you have to pass on the truth, to share the truth. Now, look at the in verse number 4. It says, it is, it is given me, and this is John writing, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. Have you ever noticed that whenever you have good news, you know, something really exciting that happens in your life, that it's difficult for you not to want to tell other people about it? You know, if something really good happens to you, you want to share that with people. Um, and since Mother's Day, I, I, thought, I, thought, of, I thought of whenever uh, we had our children. When Emily did, I didn't. I was just there and watching. And so when she had our children, man, right after that, was, that, that happened, we, we were excited about it. That was good news. Now, do you think that, that Emily looked at me and so we had our, let's see, our first son was born about 1, 1.45 in the morning. Our second son was born late at night. Uh, Janie was the only one that cooperated. She's like born during the day. But when the first two were born, do you think that, that we looked at each other and said, well, I know that it's, yeah, it's, it's gosh, it's close to 2 o'clock in the morning. We're just going to sit on this news for a while. You know, we'll, we'll call my parents in the next maybe two or three weeks and just say, hey, we had a kid, by the way. It, would, did any of y'all do that? No, whenever, for those of you who, who had, have children, when you had kids, what did you do? You told people, right? I mean, mothers, after you finished yelling at your husbands for watching TV while you were having the baby. I mean, after the baby was born, you told people. It didn't matter. We got on the phone 2 o'clock in the morning. I didn't, I didn't fret about waking up my parents. I said, hey, y'all are grandparents now. We were excited about the news. We wanted to share it. And the same type of thinking should, should be true concerning our faith. Now, mothers, you spend more time with your children probably more than anybody else. John commended the lady in our text. If you look back in verse number 4, he said, he said that he was basically excited for her because there were some of her children walking in the truth. In other words, some of her children had become followers of God. Now, now how do you suppose they came to walk in the truth? It's because the mother shared with them the truth. You know, it didn't just happen uh, because, you know, just uh, by osmosis or anything like that. It happened because the mother shared the truth with her children. It was an important message. It was a good message of Jesus, and she wanted to share. Now, if you know something good that's life-changing, and yet you never share it, what good is it going to be to the people around you? If you know something that is powerful that can change a life, and yet you don't share it, I can tell you it's not going to make a difference in my life. It's like the old adage, you know, it's, it's better to teach somebody to fish than it is to give them a fish. When we, when we teach others, they're able to sustain themselves with that knowledge instead of relying upon somebody else to take care of them. So you may say, well, how does that play out for mothers? Well, if you want to be a, a, if you want to be a godly mother... If you want to be a mother that makes a difference, then you share with your children who Jesus is. Now, how do you do that? You do it by the way that you live. Your kids are paying attention to you. And the way that you live is going to greatly impact how they are going to live their lives. Now, if they see you talking about the importance of God, talking about the importance of, of a relationship with Christ, and yet when they look at the actions of your life and they don't see any difference whatsoever, I want you to know your, your words more than likely are going to fall by the wayside. 
I look at the lady in our text. I see that, that she shared and some of her children walked in the truth. Some of her children's lives were changed. She shared good news. I watched a movie the other day, The, the King's Speech. I don't know if you all have seen that or not, but I, 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 I love history. And so I got on. I was like, I wonder you know, who's King George VI. So I said, well, who's King George V? And so I, you know, I looked him up. And there's a story about King George V in the early 1900s. He was giving a radio address. I mean, really, the radio is brand new at this point. He's speaking all across the world. And so Americans, for the first time, are going to get, going to, get to hear him speak. Well, in New York, the cable that allowed the transmission to take place broke. And so over a million people were, were not going to get to hear the king's message. So there's the cable laying down there broke. A man walks over. He picks up the two cables, and he allows the electricity to go from this cable to this cable through his body. I don't recommend this. It was 250 volts. He hangs on to it while the king speaks. And because he did that, a million people got to hear the message. Now, I thought about that, and I began to realize, you know what, there is, there is a message that God wants to share to his people. But there is a broken cable that comes from God to us, and sin breaks that communication line. So what's needed? You know what's needed? It is mothers and fathers and students to grab onto God and to reach out to other people to fill in that broken link so that people can receive a message from the King of Kings that there is a God who can change their lives. We're told in Romans 10, 14, and 15, how then can they call on the one in whom they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You know what? We've already got enough missing links in this world, right? What we need is we need some more living links who will share through their life that Jesus is real. Who will share through their life that Jesus makes a difference, that Jesus brings salvation. Mothers, let me ask you a question. Are you sharing Jesus with your kids? Are you taking time to emulate Jesus in your life? Are you bringing them into the church through the message of Jesus? Are you praying for your children, for their lives to be changed by God? See, if we're going to be godly mothers, if you're going to be godly mothers, if you're going to be mothers that, that impact the lives of your children for Christ, you have to know the truth. You have to share the truth. And this is the last thing I want you to see. You're to, you're to love God and love man. Prescription for, for being a godly mother, you love God and you love man. Last two verses right here, verse, or last one verse, verse 6. It says, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to His, to God's commands. As you have heard from the beginning, His command is that you walk in love. The best way to get your belief across to somebody else is very simply to practice what you preach. So what is the manifestation of walking in the truth? It's love. It is loving God and loving people. If you want people to take you seriously, then they need to look at the way that you live and see that you are practicing what you preach. Jesus was asked, Jesus was asked what is the greatest commandment that there is? 
If I want to follow God, what do I need to do? Jesus said this in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And then he said, and and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So that the, the, the law of God can be summarized in one sentence. Love God and love people. Let me tell you something. You can have all the knowledge in the world. You can know the Bible backwards and forwards. But if you are not a person of love, it doesn't mean anything. You can know all the rituals and the traditions of the church. But if you are not a person of love, let me tell you something. It doesn't matter. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, sums it up pretty well. It says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had to get to prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, it says, I am nothing. And if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, it says, I gain nothing. Folks, our children are watching us. They are paying attention to how we live. And if we say we need to love God and love people, and yet we don't, you know what's going to happen with our children? Our children will pay attention not to what we say, but to what we do. And did you know that your children, by and large, the way you live is eventually how your children are going to live? And I don't know about you, but sometimes that scares me. But the way we live is oftentimes a great indicator of how your child is going to live. So if your child imitates your life, if they live like you do, would you be joyful or would you be embarrassed? I read a story about Calvin Coolidge, President Calvin Coolidge in the 1920s, and he had some friends in Vermont that he wanted to come eat dinner with him at the White House. They were very excited about it. But the friends were nervous about etiquette. They are like, you know, what do you do at the White House? Well, they weren't real sure. And so they, they just they got together and said, this is what we're going to do. They said, we're just going to pay attention to what the president does and everything he does we're going to do. And it worked out well for them. When they sat down, president, there were several forks out, and they didn't know which one to grab. When they saw the one he grabbed, they got the same fork. And when there was a couple of spoons out, when he got one spoon, well, they grabbed the same spoon that he did. And everything was going very well until the coffee came. Now, when the coffee came, they went around, the, the staff poured everybody a cup of coffee. And then when President Coolidge got his coffee, he turned his cup over and began to pour some of it into his uh, saucer. Well, everybody's kind of looking around going, well, this is strange, but maybe this is what people in Washington do. And so everybody at the table, they got their coffee and they watched him. And they just poured their, they poured their coffee into their saucer. And then he got cream and sugar, and he put it in the saucer. And so everybody else got cream and sugar and put it in the saucer. And then President Coolidge, he's kind of amused watching everybody watch him. He put a saucer on the floor, and his cat came over to drink out of the saucer. Now, the way you live, there are people watching you, and they're going to imitate you. Do you want them imitating you? They say, well, how am I supposed to live? You can't go wrong with love. Jesus called us to love God and to love man, to love our neighbors. And the fact of the matter is, if we do those two things, we are going to follow the laws of God. Jesus said, you do those two things, you have fulfilled my commandments. 
So, so what's, what's a good prescription for being a godly mother? There's just a few of them that I see in our text today. Know the truth. Mothers, know the truth. Share that truth. And then basically live it. By loving God and loving man. Now, I'll give a little plug in here for my mother. I was blessed to have a mother who followed this prescription. Now, I'm not saying she was perfect, because uh, she wasn't. But she got the main things right. She did the main things right. Ladies, I want you to know it's possible for you to follow that prescription as given by John to be a good mother. Now, what I'd like for you to do is just simply to examine yourself, to investigate your life, and say, yeah, where, am I, where am I in my relationship with God? My kids look at me, and they live like me. What's that going to mean for their lives? And some of you might be very confident about what that means. Others of you might not be too sure. And if you're not too sure, my challenge for you today is to pray for your kids. Pray for your kids. God, I pray that you will touch the life of my child. God, I pray that you'll change the heart of my child, that they would love you. And God, I pray that you'll work in my life, that I will live, that I'll live for you. That I'll live to bring you honor, that I will know the truth, and that I will share the truth, and then I will put it into practice. It's about for a word of, word of prayer as we, as we close our service. Maybe some of you say, you know what, I, I, need to, I, I need to give myself to God in the first place. And if you haven't done that, then I, just where you are, why don't you pray where you're seated and just simply say, Jesus, today I want to give my life to you. Heavenly Father, I believe that you died for me. I'm trusting that and that you rose from the grave. And today I ask for the forgiveness of sin that's in my life. And I trust that you can change me. And Lord, may I honor you in the way that I live. And you pray that prayer. I'd, I'd like for you, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, you can take your bulletin and open it up. And you can fill out that section on the right side and check that line that says, Today I committed my life to Christ. And you put that in the offering basket so we can get you information in the mail about, about you know, growing in that walk with Christ. The rest of you, I want, I want to challenge you to pray for your kids if you have kids. Maybe your grandkids, maybe your nieces and nephews. It could be that you're at a crossroads with them. Maybe it's your, you're at your wit's end, or maybe you've, you've never broached the subject of Jesus with them. Take this time to pray for them. Pray for God to touch their heart. Pray that God will draw them into a relationship with Him. And then where you're seated, you make a commitment today that you're going to know the truth, that you're going to share the truth, that you're going to love God, and you're going to love man. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your blessings. God, I thank you that you've blessed each one of us here today. Every one of us has a mother. Lord, I'm sure some experiences with our mothers were good and some were bad. But God, we just want to recognize, we want to recognize them today. For those maybe who did not have a, a healthy home life, Lord, I pray today that you would work in their lives so that they would have a healthy home life that would influence the life of their children and draw them to Jesus Christ, our hope and our Redeemer. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.